to What Have You. I'm Rachel Jankovic. I'm Becca Merkel. We're sisters. <laughs> so there's a news in case, flash. In case you came late to the podcast, <laughs> you should know we're sisters. Becca's older than I am by four should we, years. Should we go back through and like talk about our height and weight and hair color? I'd, I'd rather not disclose <laughs> my weight. Since I'm on my... I was just telling her I'm on my final... My destination 10 pounds. You know, my destination is more than 10 pounds. But I am being real diligent right now. Well, I have... I I am at the place where I get stuck since having children. Mm -hmm. I have Mm -hmm. lost weight many times because... It's part of the facts of it's life. Part, and, yeah, it's and part of it's part of the facts of my life. It might not be fabric the, of. It's just having babies and mm-hmm. coping with but the see, stress of a new baby by not. eating all the apple crisp. <laughs> <laughs> mine is not babies. At least I can't say it's babies. My baby is thirteen years old. But it's not the. It's not. A, it doesn't have to be a specific baby. It's post baby life. Yeah. I, well, at least I never had the same issues before having kids. I'm just no. assume it's combination no, age but, and having yeah. had kids and metabolism shifts yeah, and well, everything. See, that's the thing is that I was pregnant with Knox. We found out right around my 21st birthday, which basically means my pre-baby self was a teenager. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is that, and then and then you come out of the childbearing yeah. years much older, mm-hmm. and even if you weren't doing that. You probably, even if you hadn't been having kids, things probably would have changed for you in that time. Well, like, that's what I think, at The least. thing is, like, I got so wicked-tastic sick every time that it was kind of a handy deal where you would lose absolutely all of the baby weight Actually, from the previous I run. would always fit my skinniest jeans yeah. in the first, in the first trimester, trimester, which yeah. is sort of like... It never felt like a real success because no. you're on the freeway on ramp to weight gain. <laughs> but here we go. I always felt like if only I could rummage up like a three month killer bout of the flu after my last baby. Which is baby, really what we all dream of. Yeah, yeah. Then, then Ideal. I would have been set. I could have yeah. just done it. But and man, wouldn't that have been easy? Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it have been easy it, for three months? It to takes be... no toll mm-hmm. on the family. No, and actually the. <laughs> Actually, the amazing thing I thought about morning sickness is that I would lose weight, but nowhere near as much as I would have at any other time. Yeah. If you had been like, what's on the menu for today? Well, you can keep down one ice chip and half of a strawberry. Half a strawberry. And then that'll Mm -hmm. last you for Mm -hmm. the day. One of the times I ended up with an IV when I was really morning sick was because... The doctor was like, tell me what you've kept down today. And it was kind of like in the last three days, I think I was like, it might have been a strawberry, but I can't be mm-hmm. sure. It that's was the just, that's the whiz bang of doom right there is that when you would, because, mm-hmm. because the thing, if you puke a lot when you're morning sick, the, the secret to surviving that. That you must keep trying to eat, but you don't want to keep yeah. trying to eat because even if you can keep some food in your stomach <clears> for <throat> like ten minutes, your body gets something out of that. You know what I yeah. mean? Like it, and yeah. it's worth the agony of that. But mm-hmm. it does not feel like what you want to do. So your oh. idea to boycott the food is poor <laughs> because then you just spiral out of control. I know. My, my my tip. I won't even. If you're morning sick, this is this is what kept me kept me I would be on that borderline of needing an IV a lot. Yeah. But I didn't. And I think my magic secret was You to, never had one? 
No, I, I did. But, oh. I mean, I the often... times when you didn't? I often didn't okay. have one, too. <laughs> there Maybe, were times, there were times that you did I, not have an IV. When I okay. did not yeah, have an right. IV. And in those times, I I think one of my best tips, I didn't even get to it until, like, my last two pregnancies. So, mm-hmm. you know, guys, I put some time in finding yeah. this tip for you. Was to buy <laughs> nice uh, water bottles. When I say to do it, I mean have your husband do it. Because I didn't do anything. <laughs> I'm, but he he would go, and and they had to be nice brand because Smart Water. I still can't look at Smart Water from Walmart without feeling sick. Smart Water yeah. uh-huh. was gross, and uh-huh. I couldn't do Smart Water, and I don't I don't approve of them at all. Um, <laughs> wow, my children are texting me. Can you get band aids, please, and peppercorns? What? <laughs> Who needs a peppercorn? I'm wondering. Um. Anyways. The the uh, thing is, they got that there was like uh, Fiji Fuji water, is it Fiji? Fiji 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 whichever it is, I think it's Fiji, and that was a good one. I could drink okay. that one. When I say I could drink, I didn't even try to drink it in the in the daytimes because I okay. just puke it. Yeah, but I would put a liter bottle by my bed. And for some reason, in the dead of the night, if I was tired enough, and you wake up crazy thirsty because you're really dehydrated. So, like, as I'd wake up, and I would make it my goal to drink a liter of water in the night when I could fall asleep before I would throw it up. Okay. So, I would chug a lug water in my sleep and then go, like, well, not in my sleep, but close to my sleep. Fall back asleep. And, and this tells you how bad it was, is that I would drink a whole liter, and you're pregnant, so you know, you'd think you'd have to go to the bathroom all the time, but no, I would drink a whole liter of water in the night and still never need to go to the bathroom till like, lunchtime the next day. <laughs> it tells you that yeah. you were actually not well, getting enough fluids. On the first pregnancy, when I was super duper duper sick, I, um, it was also just, well, it was probably four months into our marriage, because I think, yeah, because yeah. Knox was born right the same week as our first anniversary. So yeah. we're like four months in and I am crazy sick. Mm-hmm. And uh, Welcome to the married state. And it was really, really funny because I was so your husband. sick. You feel like, what I a couldn't, treat for your no, husband, I was yeah. like so dehydrated and so sick that I couldn't move. I was just, and he, he had like. Bible studies because he was doing campus evangelism stuff that year. He's like, he would have a Bible study in the evening, but he wouldn't want to leave me home because I was just so out of it. So he would take me up to mom and dad's house to drop me off, like for mom to babysit me basically. But he would have to carry me to the car because I could not walk. And he would, he he had like plastic bags in all of his pockets, like, because I was so ill and and he'd have to pull over, you know, just in the like two minute drive between our house and mom and dad's, he had to pull over and everything. Anyhow, he was Mr. Prepared with plastic bags. But I remember it was like, I had just barely come out of that phase. And a friend who had um, gotten married, like, the same summer, Uh but they were kind of, you could tell, like, we hadn't even really talked about it, but I think she was feeling judged because I was pregnant and they were going to not have kids for a long time. time. It was like, this is our plan, is we're not going to have kids. And so she would bring it up defensively, and it was funny because I wasn't, of course I wouldn't have weighed in on on what they were doing. But she would bring it up defensively and say, like, but the, th- the thing is, we decided 
it was important that we needed to get to know each other. And I just remember dying. I was like, there is nothing like a crash the fast course track to getting, getting to know, to each, know each, other. each other is when you're holding your and wife's you head over the toilet. you didn't even have to be sick to make it a fast track of getting to know each other because you get through, even if it was a breezy, easy pregnancy, at the end, you're going to have labor and then a newborn and you're going to see the real selves. The real selves are going to come out. I thought it was great because it was sort of like, one thing that I felt like we did was we got to know each other. We really... It's like, I got yeah. to see exactly what Ben was like when he had morning a crazy, sickness, sick wife on his hands. Morning sickness is a magical thing. And I remember, I remember people would very kindly, you know, like, it was really sweet. People would be like, you know, could I bring you dinner sometime so that, give you a break from cooking? Mm-hmm. I remember thinking... I'm sorry. Were you mistakenly thought that, did you believe I was cooking? I was like, you don't realize that I haven't gone in the kitchen for eight weeks or something. And when I did have to, it was a total train wreck. Like nobody wanted me to go in the kitchen because then you end up having a a real trouble. Anyway. You, I remember trying to like hold your breath and not think about anything as you whizzed into the kitchen to do... Usually it was because, like, there was a small child who wanted milk or something. Yeah. And But it would turn into a spiral of chaos. Wouldn't I think that's happen? when my children learned to pour their own Mine did, too. It's early yeah. pourers because of that. <laughs> and you know, you know early independence where they're like, can I have some cheese? You're like, sure. If there is some, if you can find it, and if you can gnaw it off the block. <laughs> Those oh, are the ways you can have cheese. Oh, it's so great, though. It's so good for a person to have to just go through some... I remember having a moment. Some rough patches. I had a moment when, you know, when you're really sick. I can remember clear moments in pregnancies with different kids. Because it's miserable. And you know it's going to last a lot for of a long time. So, like, say you're at week... 10 and you're like in about six more weeks weeks. I might start to think I'll ever drink coffee again or I might you know like whatever you're like it's a long time and I can remember in different pregnancies having those moments of when I was super sick with Blair I I was trying to get ready to go to church and I remember just standing in the bathroom like really really yucka ducked out by the whole situation (laughs) and then hearing my other kids singing at the breakfast table um I don't know what psalm it was, but they were singing the psalm and they were singing the, I don't know the number. It's a praise, praise the Lord, all you nations, praise him, all you people for his merciful kindness is great towards us. And I remember just thinking, here's the voice of these little kids who I puked my guts up for every (laughs) one of them. And they're singing for his merciful kindness is great towards us. And it was so true. And I was thinking, here is this child, a, a new child making me crazy sick again. And it is all God's merciful kindness towards us. And, totally. and Blair has always been to me. That is like, I think of her that way because it was so early that his <laughs> merciful kindness is great towards us. And that is really her. And then I think with uh, one of the other, with Shad, I turned on that dumb Nova film, like the miracle of life or something. Okay. It's dumb because it's like evolutionary. and Sure. But I was showing my other kids some of the some of what's happening in a mm-hmm. pregnancy, you mm-hmm. know, and they were getting old enough to see the cost yeah, to notice. <laughs> they saw the cost of what yeah. on earth, mom, is, are you doing? Is it always like this? And, and, um, 
we went we watched that one and I think with that with Shad it wasn't wasn't that I it just was a surprise pregnancy. We're always surprised. We're the kinds of people who are always surprised. But yeah. in it was so good for me to watch the beginning of that because it's not like it just is so so clear that there is no accidental life that mm-hmm. that God called this person into existence from the beginning of the most crazy like the whole thing with like the protein on the outside of the sperm that yeah. has to match like a key uh, thing on the egg that unlocks like that releases some something that dissolves the surface of the egg and like but it is like the most elaborate like there's no <laughs> chance in the world that this would ever happen accidentally like mm-hmm. that this is and yeah. it was very good for me to like Remember yeah. that no part of this is God like was a surprise. surprise. Yeah. yeah, like that God called this person. Yeah. And that the fact that I'm sick is irrelevant. Like this is, and that was. <laughs> well, that and was it's good. a great chance to learn to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Mm-hmm. You Absolutely. Know, it's, it's like, it's and like, knowing that there's a cost, but it needs to be done and it's worth it. And there's a real easy temptation to fall into sort of the martyr syndrome. When right. something is being difficult for you, rather than rejoicing through it, thanking God through it. Right. And, you know, you can be too sick to stand up and too sick to cook and too sick to all of that and still have a sweet, kind spirit to your family. And when I say, when you say that though, I should be clear that it's not that it's easy or that you're not having no. a hard time, but it's not out it's not coming out in anger at other people yeah, because it's, it's hard but it's not mm-hmm. there's no need to be rude to no. everyone you don't have to be angry and grumpy and unkind i remember a you moment you can lie flat on your back and still be gracious i remember a moment and um must have been with shad because we were in our house on sunnyside but i remember Luke came home and he was trying to make food. You know, he has to feed people. So he learned as time went on, he never mentioned any food to me. He would just try to bring a food Mm -hmm. unknown before and see if I could eat it. And then that would be magic. If, whatever, it was much, it was like 30%, it was like 30% (laughs) better chances I could keep it down if if I didn't didn't, know what was happening. You didn't talk about it. And, but I remember him one time in an early pregnancy saying, saying, um, well, what about a tortilla? And I just remember like, a tortilla? Like, what kind of a sick person would talk about a tortilla at a time like this? And when you think about it now, a tortilla is pretty inoffensive as far as foods go. It's not, it's not real strong in any direction but it was like I just remember being like you sick human who would think of a tortilla and I remember us going to zips because for some yeah this I think this was with Lena maybe I was so agonizingly hungry Mm -hmm. but no food would you know, like you couldn't keep yeah. food down. And I remember being like, I just am so hungry. Like I want to eat a burger and fries and like a milkshake. Yeah. You know, like that's uh-huh. what I want. So we jump in the car and we zoom to Zips. And then I cried in the car about not being able to eat a hamburger. I think I, I think I like tried to take a bite and puked it in the, in the parking lot. And then, and then I wept over my, my dreams of eating a burger. <laughs> my poor husband. Sitting there with his burger and fries and a wife crying about it. 
Anyways, in our other house, I remember a time where Luke's trying to make dinner, and I knew it, what he was cooking chicken. Like, I, I don't know, I intuited it from the smells. I knew it was chicken. And I remember laying on our bed with my head out the window, and it was raining. <laughs> I had my head out the window, plugging my nose and crying. <laughs> He comes up to be like, how are you doing? And he's like, oh, good heavens. Because it was like, I could smell the chicken. And I couldn't bear it that I had to keep noticing there was chicken in the house. And I'm, and I'm like, it's just an amazing time. I and feel like the best, though, is your story about calling him when he was painting. That was with our first. I called him. And I was crying. He's painting a house. I'm not a real crier in life, so, you know, you have to recognize this with six pregnancies. I'm spreading all these tears out over, so. But I'm like, nothing's wrong, but I don't know why. It's like, it was like, everything's (laughs) fine, Luke, but but I'm so sad, and I don't know what's wrong. And I'm like, I was like, there's really nothing wrong here, except I feel horrible, but I'm fine, but I'm crying. But that's why I called you because of that and I remember him being like okay and he remembers it being up like in an eve of this house on the ladder and he's like okay he's painting yeah he's house. like I want you to go eat a cheese stick and I was like a cheese stick look I don't want a cheese stick like he's like there's cheese sticks in the fridge and I'm like why I don't want a cheese stick and he's like pulled the whole I'm the husband here and the boss you will obey me and go get a cheese stick you will eat a cheese stick woman. <laughs> and I'm still on the phone like, I don't want a cheese ge- Oh, the fridge. Like, I'm like, it's all dark and devious. And I got the cheese stick out. And I remember lying on our bed in like the fetal position, crying with the cheese stick. <laughs> and I get like halfway through the dang cheese stick. And I was like, so anyways, I'm feeling fine. So I'll talk to you later. <laughs> I'm not sure, not sure why I was just crying about the cheese stick or anything, but having gotten some protein in my body, I no longer am despairing of life, so we'll talk later. Have a good day. Yeah, but the problem is, I think that was really only one time that the cheese stick was a solution, so we didn't really find the... We didn't find the path to success. Oh my goodness. Yeah. But the thing is you get through it and you make it through the trial and, and you don't even care at all about it in retrospect no. other than a fond memory. Yeah. And the, exactly. and you see the people that it grew. And yeah. it's like and hopefully you that didn't... was a wee little price to pay for yeah. what we got. And hopefully you didn't burn down all of your relationships <laughs> because you were grumpy at everyone. Well, I have to say that I I think there's having known other people who has had major times of morning sickness, I do think that my greatest resource on that was my husband. Yeah. Because he didn't take th- he was he was resilient and joyful and yeah. teased me about things and was funny about it yeah. and and my kids, my kids still, this is, this is the dark deeds. My kids still sometimes spot places around the town where they're like, remember when mom threw up the mac and cheese over there? 
remember on the way to Oregon when mom was puking in the bushes at the subway? Oh my remember? word! See, I think like, all my so many of were, those things were little enough, like. Mm-mm. Like Knox No, was, because Lena was 11 when Moses was yeah, born. So, so they they, they have solid memories of yeah. swerving off the side of the road. Yeah. My great one that I told everyone that one, yeah, I think. Leaping out, is, getting like, hit in the head with the door. My kids, I had four, four and under, and then five, six and under. So the morning sickness part, Knox would have been five years old. So hmm. they were, they all, it's in the distant past. I had four. For them. Three and under. Then mm-hmm. after that, we got way more reasonable with right. our pacing. Right. So then they all noticed when Moses, they all, and yeah. one, Lena said once about Moses looking into his car seat at this little newborn. And she said, oh, mom, he's so worth it. And, and I said, worth what? And she said, everything. And I was like, amen. And I know my girls are probably likely to get sick right. when they're pregnant. And I figure, well, you should all know that it's worth it. It is worth it's it. It's worth it. Don't worry about it. And it's a great chance to so learn that's to enough. be... I feel like we've overdone us puking yeah. now. We I can come mean... back to that. I have a lot of stories about that. Because <laughs> it's been like years of my life yeah, at this point. Quite you know, a lot. Quite a lot of I time. Spent... Mm-hmm. Exactly. But... A high point. I actually should share this one because it's funny. We took the kids on spring break uh, to the Oregon coast when I was morning sick with Moses. Mm-hmm. I was not sure that was going to go over well. Right. I was like, I don't know that I can do this. And Luke's comment was, well, you'll either be sick at home with all the kids home on spring break, or I'll come with you and we'll go to the Oregon Ghost and you can be sick there while the kids have a good time. So that's what we did. We yeah. went there. And one day we took, we went to go out to dinner at the place they like to go, which is, um, think of this, Moe's the Seafood Place. Oh. Right. Like, famous for clam chowder. Oh, no. Woo, doggy. Nobody yeah. wants to go there when you're morning sick. But we went there, and I was wearing a hot pink zip-up hoodie, and and we got out in the parking lot, and seeing the restaurant sends me into a spiral of doom. <laughs> so I'm trying to get out of sight of anyone, you know. Yeah. Because of the trouble within that yeah. is coming. But it's wildly windy. So my oh, hair is oh, whipping right. all in my face. Oh. So I put up my hot pink hoodie. But yeah. I'm running with an urgent <laughs> speed from the from the parking lot. And I'm stuffing my hair into my hoodie. So that I'm holding the strings like a little cinched thing around my face. <laughs> holding these hot pink strings. And I'm going through the like sea grass down to, trying to find a place that no one will have to witness yeah. what's happening here. And, and But then I realize... High winds coming from every way, right? (laughs) So the hair was a problem. Not nearly as much of a problem as when I actually began puking, which is hilarious. But then... I am leaping around tr- with <laughs> holding my hot pink hood. I'm like a hot pink bubble jumping around in the seagrass trying to not puke on myself because it's just now it's happening. And the, and the thing is so funny is I couldn't tell where is the wind coming from. You know what I mean? It was just kind of all over the place. So I'm like hopping around like crazy out there. And then I realized there's like a boardwalk overlook and there's a couple standing there and I am right in front of them just leaping 
bound and bounding and puking with my hood up. Like they must have they must have come out from the restaurant for a nice sea view. Probably for a nice anniversary dinner. And I was able to bless them with a little work out there. they weren't far away at all oh I was gosh. really quite close to them and oh. it was and it was I felt like well that'll do like I'll just head in now <laughs> enough from me oh, wow yeah. so anyway, now I'm we can be we done can telling call that stories. a wrap call mm-hmm. that a wrap mm-hmm. um we did have a question from <laughs> reasonable landing oh boy no we did have a question from somebody about (laughs) why anyone asks us questions we won't know but about um like the great push that everyone is making to live lives of stillness and quiet we've talked about this before because it's kind of like if you're stressed You are doing too much. Or if you're back, like, out, back of out of things, don't get obligated to do things. Don't get, right. um, just don't follow through on that commitment you made. Yeah. Or don't make any commitments so you won't ever have to follow through on Basically, on you want to live life like I think coasting it's, down I a think gradual pretty, hill. But don't you think it's pretty, um, it's something that has definitely been glamorized for us Uh in the like this is what someone like Gwyneth Paltrow probably works on all the time well it kind of seems to me to go a little bit with minimalism yeah minimalism like you don't want to carry the stress of all the things and like probably you should just be having a nice glass of wine in a vineyard in France somewhere and that would be the right way to live or just or just take a deep breath and relax and don't don't stress yourself out with duties. Spend time on yourself first, you know, like like exercising and wellness and thought like but just mm-hmm. keep yourself calm and Yeah. And see the thing about this is there is on the other side, there are people who live frantic, stressed out, ulcer ridden, rat race, grasping, never satisfied lives. And that is it's a real ditch. It's a real ditch, and it's a ditch that people should stay out of. But the pendulum swing to the other side, which is basically ambition of any kind, duties... But there's an incredible amount of... there's In, in that position, there's an incredible amount of entitlement. Because, because if you don't think that you need to work to survive, yeah. like or that it's not going to take a lot yeah. of work to survive, yeah. like... You know, yeah, and you must be in a position where you're expecting everyone to care for you, kind of like someone is providing. I just for think you. this, this, um, the push for, yeah, this, this life of ease, kind of a no stress life, 
But there is, we do have a word for that and it's laziness. (laughs) But it's like purging where, but people are purging things like church programs, like where they're, they're like, well, why would I bother to host a Bible study when it bothers me (laughs) to have to get my house ready or to do, you know, or it's too stressful to have people over and you just shouldn't do it if it feels too stressful. Often though, if you just realize that we do have a vocabulary term for this thing that you are advocating, it's kind of like when people talk about like going on your, well, people who need to go on a journey to self love yeah you know that kind of thing it's like well we do we do have a word for that and that's selfishness selfishness. um and the thing is is once you give it the right word then you realize actually the bible does have quite a fair amount to say it does but not i just think if we're steeped in biblical language we should notice right away that that's not the kind of admonitions that scripture no. ever gives a Christian ever. No. Like there is the like finish your like run your race well, like mm-hmm. working hard, like fixing your eyes on Je- Jesus because like he's the author author and finisher of your faith, but I I ran track and I remember the last leg when you come around. I just remember this vividly. It's funny. Your your um the coach Gwen Spencer mm-hmm. standing there at the finish line and be a 400. So you're into the full pain of yeah. the situation at this point. And she just does not seem to be getting bigger. Yeah. Like <laughs> you run and you run and you run. And I remember specifically being like, look at her tiny feet. Like I cannot make them bigger. Like you're like running, running, running. And, and I think that, so when it says fixing your eyes on Jesus, mm-hmm. it is like your destination is past a lot of painful exertion. Like we are running to Christ, but it is not a gentle meander. Like when it's saying like in your life, eventually you'll notice that you got to Christ. It's Mm -hmm. like, no, you have to fix your eyes because of the pain, because of the exertion, because of the work. You have to fix your eyes on your destination because you actually need that to get through what you need to get through. And but, like saying that all the saints are watching, like, mm-hmm. and all these saints who were martyred and went through amazing things. Like, do you think that they all want to gather around to watch us do nothing? Like, yeah. as we kind of just drift yeah, exactly. with the current drift, to Christ. Drift into the kingdom. You know, like, ride your lazy river inner tube <laughs> To Christ, fixing your eyes on him. But see, I think what happens is they see people who are running in the rat race and the destination is their own ambition and their own wealth mm-hmm. and their own success and their own advancement in the world. And that is true. It's that just that a is, hamster wheel. But it's like it's a also sad life. The problem with that life is not the fact that someone is running their heart out. The fact is that they're running their heart out for the wrong thing. Yeah. And totally. so you don't fix it by saying, well, I'm going to just pull up a lawn chair. Well, it's like any, here. it's like any really brave Nazi soldiers who gave their life. It's not the bravery was the problem. It's the right. wrong side you were fighting exactly. for. It's like, it's not the, it's like you could say, oh, see, that's why it's wrong and to fight. Is, and it's like, no, it's, job it's is wrong to, to be wrong. Yeah. And our job is to build the kingdom here and we don't have very much time to do it. No. And it's sort of like, I feel like you should die with your hands dirty, you know? Well, yeah, as much as you possibly can. Yeah. Because, and then think of how much the book of Proverbs has to say about go to the ant you sluggard 
you know? When you go to the Consider ants, have you ever noticed? Have you noticed if you go look at an ant hill, what you don't see is any of them reading a novel in a beach chair. Like, <laughs> there's a lot of hustle not, and there's a lot of bustle. And there's a lot of like, we're getting it done, getting it done, getting it done. Like, we gotta hustle, 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 hustle. What was it? Wasn't there a video of an ant stealing a diamond? Yes, stealing a diamond happening? right off of the desk. It was amazing. <laughs> It was sort of like struggling past the keyboard holding a diamond. <laughs> but I I think the thing is is that scripture doesn't ever say, you know, like from Paul, like and another last word to you. Like take it easy. Take it easy. And and make sure that you're having enough time to just sit around and reflect on nothing. <laughs> like or a, like that is just a non No. It is outside of the Christian life vocabulary. Yeah. And I, this is not to say Christians may never have a relax. vacation or relax or enjoy God's creation or see, you know, like uh, obviously that fits right in with with the concept of Sabbath rest and this like that it's good mm-hmm. to rest so that you'll be <clears> equipped <throat> to work. But I think the bigger thing, if you assume that it's important for Christians to be working and to be working hard and to be making a difference and building the kingdom wherever you are, then one of the things that I think you're more likely to struggle with is the pendulum swinging in your own uh, emotional, um, like, your impetus to do everything. Because I, what happens to me is that I can get really motivated for something. And I'm like, this is important. This is a big deal. I'm going to work really hard on it. But then as you, like, totally run out of gas or you completely mm-hmm. cannot pull something off that you hoped you'd be able to pull off. Mm-hmm or whatever, being able, instead of letting us swing hard the other way, being able to just be like, well, Lord, I was offering that to you and it turns out it wasn't so hot after all, (laughs) but like, but instead of taking it really personally or getting really whizzed up about it, being okay with your own failures when you have big goals, like it's like, okay, I'm working hard towards this, but it turned out I did not have the energy to make this happen. And I'm not going to feel guilty. Like, like, um, like I'm supposed to be a mindless robot that never has any times where it's less productive or more productive for, you know what I mean? Like, and, and I think that that's far more difficult as a Christian to keep that in balance where you're actually honoring God when you're so tired, you're not getting much done and you're honoring him mm-hmm. when you're energetic and working really hard. Like well, those yeah. things, and that's hard. The whole thing is you're, we are all of us climbing a mountain and, and we're creatures with limits. Yeah. yeah. And there are times when you have to sit down and catch your breath. And there are times when you have to gut it out and and you don't, you can't stop and catch your breath. And, the, and you, and you do is, it while praying for a second wind. Yeah. Like, and the thing is, is you have to, to keep your eye on what it is you're trying to do, which is climb this mountain. And I think there's a lot of people who are like, no, our job is to just sit and enjoy the view. And that mm-hmm. I think is a really wrong headed way of looking at what your life is for yeah. is it really isn't just to please yourself. And, and that is the rhetoric of the world is that like, you want to be able to look back on your life and realize that you lived life to the fullest every moment you enjoyed. Anthony Bourdain said famously, I believe, although now I should probably have looked it up, but he said, your body is not a temple. It's an amusement park. Like that was his thing is like, stop 
stop acting like this is a temple and just realize it's an amusement park. And you're thinking, yeah, what a gleeful one that ended in suicide for him. You know what I mean? Like you think, mm. well, for the Christian, your life is a temple. You know, like, like your the yeah. whole fact that you exist is about your relationship to the creator, to your body as a temple. We're building, we're we are building sacrifices. the kingdom of God. We're a living sacrifice. This is not <clears throat> about our pleasure. Like, and the fact that we have, so this is sort of a preview. I'm almost done. I'm very close to turning in my final edits for my identity book. So I'm giving you a preview of the identity book that should be coming out soon um, by telling you about this. But I still, I think it's just so true and good as, you know, when scripture commands us to do everything that we do to the glory of God, like everything. Mm -hmm. And I mean, cause it says whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do yeah. it to the glory of God. Now, just imagine with me the funniness of that. Like when you're like, I gotta go clip my toenails to the glory of God. <laughs> right. You know, to the glory of God, I'm gonna go, you know, some really petty things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm gonna put a slice of cheese on this saltine to the glory of God. I'm just <laughs> glorifying him now in this. And, and it's funny in the sense that it is like hard to imagine that being glorious in any way. Do you know what I mean? Like right. there, I don't see any glory here, but what I love about it is, well, Christians often feel like that's God demanding so much of us. Right. And when we're talking like this, like we should be working all the time for the kingdom. We're the unspoken part is to the glory of God. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? Like we're doing this to the glory of God, his work to his glory. This is what we're doing. And people can think how selfish of God. Right. Right? That he would create us, that we just had to glorify him forever and not just enjoy, mm-hmm. not just be um, relishing these moments that right. we can have all by ourselves without glorifying him. You know, like, why can't we right. do or have our own lives and live our own um, whatever? And so, and this is a chapter in my book just about that glory is toxic to people. Do you know what I mean? Like, like the thing about giving glory to God, but what is not toxic to people, obviously there, that verse in the Psalms about, um, in thy, or thou will show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. And this is a thing when everything that you're doing is to God's glory, that is a way of saying live in the presence of God. Right. Like live everything that you do. If you're getting a drink, do it in the presence of God to his glory. And the thing is, is that it's not that God created us to give to him everything. He created us for him to give to us. Well, it's and also so, that this is like Piper's Christian hedonism. Where yes. Yes, are, totally. Um, if you were to pursue pleasure, you won't get it. Right. But we pursue are most glory for God. Yeah. And your life is full of clarity of purpose and we are most fulfilled and most joyful when we aren't prioritizing our our own own joy joy. yes but when we are looking when we're oriented the right way that is the most joyful place we could be to live and so that's the that's the thing that and and to tie this in with our total off-topic discussion earlier you how can you puke and be sick with a baby to the glory of God. Like you are offering up your work to him. Like, like this is the way your glory and that, and that when you do it to God's glory, what you actually receive from God is a fullness of joy. Right. Right. And so even though you're a train wreck at that moment, you can still be a joyful train wreck. Yeah. You can do it either sinfully 
and self-absorbed and fussy and martyr syndrome, or you can do it laying it down and offering it to God even in your sickness mm-hmm. and brokenness. Anna Edwards said to me when I was morning sick, she said, sometimes we are just called to endure to the glory of God. And <laughs> and it's so true. Like it there is. are times when there is no work here for me to do. It is just me living through it to the glory exactly. of God. And I think, I guess the thing I was going to say is that fullness of joy, pleasures forevermore is like, um, and thou will show me the path of life. And you think, so those things, clarity of purpose, like what you're for, joy, and then, and, and, well, I forgot the third one. Fullness of joy ple- and pleasure. pleasure. Pleasures forevermore. And clarity of what you're doing. Like, the reality is we're not saying work really hard so you can never enjoy anything. No. We're saying <clears throat> work really hard to the glory of God and your work itself will be joyful and peaceful and and purposeful and also work really hard but with your hands open and not clenched on and not like it's your something. performance that's getting you something no, it's all it's... a gift of god and so when you have a moment where you're like well i thought i was going to do better than that but tur- <laughs> turns out turns out at the end of the day yeah. i did not nail this situation exactly when that happens you're able to joyfully offer that too and move on without it being like an identity crisis like right. i failed right. i can't I'm a bad Christian. I'm a whatever. It's like, well, you know, I think it's also true that when you have that crazy productive day, when you're like energy was on point and things yeah. worked out well, everything was and clicking. everything was perfect. And you, the heart wants to say, and this dear friends is my new normal. I will do this ever after. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that doesn't happen. You will crash. It is weird. Yeah. You will crash and be like, why? Why didn't I even make it to my best? You know, you want to make it normal. Instead of receiving that day of energy and all these things as a gift from God, which is what it is. Right. You know, incidentally, I would say just to be uber provocative all of this oh, time. Oh, sure. Fling something out there. This is why I don't approve of anything that is based on the any of the like therapeutic help things, whether it be plexus or oils or a diet or like you have to live without ever eating a carb or you have to do all these things and all of them that base it on, it's not normal for humans to not feel good all the time. Oh yeah. I was like, I I actually think that's pretty normal. There's kind of a whole bit there at the beginning of Genesis that explains it. I think one of the things is we're not going to overcome this by (laughs) means of therapeutic no. work like the human condition is mm-hmm. that we and, have and trouble I think what goes wrong is when it's not people... that i'm not saying it's bad to eat healthy so you'll feel more energetic no or no, anything. no no of course not or whatever take your vitamins do your thing but but people can become their own cottage industry in trying to have a full-time job making themselves feel good and well, it's very odd to get up in the morning to address all your ailments as though like yeah we're just here in transit (laughs) you know what I mean like your body is like you want to keep take care of it so that it can get you Uh as far as you need to get Mm -hmm. but not as an end but it's kind of like here's the thing we're currently this is (laughs) this is a tent this is not the permanent structure no and your tent is you you want to keep it in decent repair for as long as you need it mildew free if you can help it (laughs) but the thing is, is 
nothing that you can do will turn this tent into the permanent structure. No, and it, and and to want to is to deny the great promise that we've been given. And actually, which is, to to want to is to be deeply ungrateful for what you have been given. That's true. Yeah, to be like, well, no, I have to be. I guess I just think it's not a thing. Um, I think. It's just not a thing that we're supposed to wake up every morning with no obstacles to our life. No. And feel no obstacles throughout the day because we're just having a beautiful time. Well, and then that becomes, it's like a weird, um, your your whole to-do list is trying to create yourself a world in which you have no obstacles. And also it creates an incredible amount of ingratitude because you start acting like your humanity is a problem rather than a <laughs> gift. Like it's like, you know what I mean? Like, and the thing is there is a, there is a problem that, I mean, obviously, but it's, there's the a thing deep is, problem. Is that it's a problem that got solved. It got that, solved and it will be solved. And we, in have, the resurrection. Our mar- and we have our marching orders. Like, we, we know what we're supposed like, to yeah. do. It may be broken, but not any of your dosing. Anything is going to fix it. We just read that in Thessalonians in the Bible reading challenge, right about the resurrection of the dead and that whole, that whole thing about hoping, you know, like mm-hmm. how, um, and, I was struck again by it when we were, this is a bigger thought, I guess, but I just read that hideous strength a little while ago in that mm-hmm. part where he has at the end, they're, they're all getting their clothes on, but yeah. they never, but they never look at themselves in the mirror because the others right. just not like they, but they're wearing, it's a great section that basically they're wearing the most glorious clothing that they could ever wear, but they don't even look at it. Right. They're so, it's so them yeah. and beautiful and they're closed. And what struck me about this was when we were at grandma's funeral and it's in a beautiful military graveyard where my granddad, my mom's parents are uh, both buried there. And I just had this moment. It's like, cause that graveyard looks to me like this is a place that granddad would have just loved. He would have felt like this was mm-hmm. how things ought to it be. Did. Very military. This shape. is how everything should be done. We don't yeah. have any litter. We don't have <laughs> any crumbs of leaves anywhere. We have pristine, yeah. perfect, beautiful military. And he was in the Air Force. And so that when the day of his funeral, it was the huge contrails all in the yeah. sky. It was beautiful. It was like exactly what he would have wanted. And it just struck me all of a sudden when we were there this time. Thinking about, oh my word, in the in the resurrection of the dead... The military graveyards are going to be full of the most glorious people. Like, like when you think of... Got interrupted by a little phone call there. A little phone call. Whatever I was saying is it struck me about this military graveyard that when, when these saints come back from the dead, this is going to be a glorious sight. Like, yeah. when you take the most brave strong heroes, you know, like any military, you know, wherever you think like when you pull them all at one time and they're (laughs) looking their best in their most beautiful resurrection, you know, like like that moment. I think this is going to be a beautiful place to be during the resurrection. Yeah. And the thing is, is if, if you really want your humanity fixed, we know how to do that. We know what the what you should keep your eyes on, you know, where the goal is. Cause the, that goal is not this side of death. You have to aim oh, you're talking for about, the you resurrected state. You have to yes, live well yes. now Yes. to get to that. No, and fix, 
your eyes on Jesus and think of all these saints that are around us watching that we might finish our race well. And if you want to try to pull basically the resurrected state to this side of death. Then you're fixing your eyes on your own. The body that we have right now that is so much less than what we're being given. Right. Like why would you get so excited about this one? But also without the grave you cannot have resurrection. Like no, you, and so it's it's futile and pointless, and the whole thing crumbles around you. And you can see this from all the people that devote their life to trying to hang on to their life. And weirdly, and when it starts it. getting into all these cosmetic surgeries and things that will not make you live longer, no, they will just try to make you look younger just look while weirder. you get old. <laughs> You'll and look weirder as you age. I think that the I read part of an article when I was waiting for my girls getting their haircut. I can't remember what magazine. But it was just so sad and desolate and embarrassing. And it was a some woman who's part of some big, you know, bio, oh, it's like bio viva or something. It's like stem cell. Oh. It's some, but she flew herself to Mexico or somewhere to inject herself with a ton of stuff. Like she's trying to trying to find eternal life. Oh, like it's on the radical edges of. Mm-hmm of uh longevity it's like trying to live forever it's like weird Mm -hmm. and she she did this without telling any of her family and she like flew off to get all these injections and things to try to live forever and and then um, basically she's like really upset about like medical regulations that keep us from doing this kind of brilliant work all the time and you and you look you at it like, like this she, is a she life has quotes, of fear oh like, just awful fear, fear. and she yeah. has quotes around things like when we finally overcome death then we'll be something and you're like it's too bad you missed the news about yeah. how this has been handled like, yep. like there is good news and what you're doing is not good news. It's just like sad, the, and I'm sure, news. I'm sure it's all associated with like the abortion I'm, I'm industry. Sure stem cell. Evil. So what you're looking at is like a disgusting preying on the young to try to live forever in our own. It yeah. is really, really sad. But my point is it, it is like that it was an extreme example of all these wellness Yep. wellness things, yep. you know, wellness gurus, but that's the end of that road. Yep. The end of that road is like, we're trying to self propel like, yep. like resurrection bodies. We're yep. trying to find ways to get so younger is, and younger. Spend this body Just wisely. spend it and spend, spend it, it hard. Yes. Just use it up <laughs> like that. And don't, don't do the thing of taking your talents and burying them in the backyard where they'll be safe. Spend it and take risks because that is what the master asked. Yes. Of and us. I've, I've already mentioned on the podcast, a book I read recently called evidence, not seen. That was an autobiography of Darlene Diebler Rose. And it's really, really good. Okay. But she was a missionary who ended up in the Japanese prison camps during world war two. Mm-hmm. And, but there's this moment when you said, spend your body. It was like, this is an example of someone who did that in an awesome way. That was like these rabid dogs would always get into their camp. And at one time they were all in the trenches trying to, because bombers were coming over, mm-hmm. which is sad because they're like American bombers and right. they're Americans there, you know, it's wow. a sad time anyways. And a rabid dog got into the trench with all these oh women word. and they were trying to fight it off with a stick or something. Mm-hmm. And then one woman 
just threw herself on it to save everyone else wow. in the trench, right? But then she dies of rabies, and she has to die in isolation from like she right. she knew she was laying down her body right for other people. Threw herself on a rabid dog, went voluntarily into isolation, and died a hard, miserable death alone right. of rabies. And I think. Pretty sure that's an awesome kind of a queen lady in heaven. Do you know what I mean? Like, like when you talk in terms of resurrection bodies yeah, and nobility and sure. beauty and all these things, like she just threw her body on, like for everyone else. Yeah, like this old thing, I don't care about. You know what I mean? Like, and you think that? Yeah. I just think there's a lot of examples and for to us bring all it in the circle back around to the, to pregnancy. the pregnancy thing. You That's know, an example. It is an example, but there's a lot of people who aren't willing to spend the stretch marks, to spend the, you know, thickened middle, <laughs> to spend the baby weight, to spend three months of puking, whatever it is. And and it's if that's something that um, obviously... But the cost, the cost could have been ten times more what you have paid for it and be still worth it. Yeah. Do you know what exactly. I mean? Like, like it could be so much worse than what right. we went through and have been and so it has not even a question. It has nothing to do just to clarify with saying that those who are mothers are better than those who no. are not. It's not like that at all, but there are <laughs> a lot of women who are unwilling to make the sacrifice. Yeah. And we do live in a country that despises that sacrifice. No. And, and that is, is that like... says prioritize your own self mm-hmm. over Anything else? Don't but get into one of these bad situations we've where been you've talking maybe like, given your life away. Yeah, we've <laughs> we've been talking kind of a long time. So let's uh, do a quick tip, like back to school tip. Oh yeah, that's in a week for me anyway. My our kids. Um, well, college already happened. I just am trying some new things for lunch week. packing this year. Okay, I what? tried when I made uh, like a stromboli for dinner and froze a bunch of it and slices okay. in the fridge. Turns mm-hmm. out the kids are eating it before school starts, of yep. course, but it is working well as a small item. That Stromboli? Well, it's is like it a good sausage. Cold? Yeah. It's, That's it is. great. It's, I mean, I, I, mm-hmm. the one that I made was, it's not, I wasn't following a recipe, but it is good. It's like, it's like cold pizza can be, it wasn't a red sauce one, but it, it ends up being like bread with sausage and cheese. Yeah. It, it was good. Great. It was good. So, so Stromboli. To cut up and freeze? Is that what yeah, you're I'm just trying. Well, I do frozen sandwiches, so I freeze PBJs with thin coat of peanut butter on both sides of the bread. Keeps it from getting weird. Soggy, so, yeah. Well, crystally. You know yeah. when the jam, uh-huh. that does that weird thing? Then jam in the middle. And then I also will make like a ton of rolls. And if you butter both sides, you can put like deli meat and cheese in them and freeze those also. Okay. So I try to have my lunch preparatory business like a big bin of frozen sandwiches and then there's a bin in the fridge that has stuff Mm -hmm. you can take and a bin in the cupboard that has so it's like the dry bin the cold bin and the freezer bin so I as my kids are now kind of older and well two of them are in college and they have very different schedules and then three in high school but like one is going to have really crazy early morning volleyball practices yeah. and and getting up and actually like making yourself a lunch is less Doable. it's it's happening less so i am trying um to make a big effort to essentially double my dinners that i am like really jacking the quantity up for what i would normally cook making the same thing 
but then just throwing individually right. packaged leftovers into the fridge. And so I bought the Chinese takeout containers, which I have already recommended at another time from the restaurant supply. Do they have a metal handle um, or not? No. So then there's no microwave hazard. No, it's just, it's a big stack of Chinese takeout. Right. And so, like, I did a big chicken rice, like a Thai salad um, for dinner. And so, and it turned out, I, I doubled it. I never made it before. It was really good. It was coconut rice. Yeah. And then chicken and a ton of veg and everything, but with a peanut sauce sort of dressing on it. And it turned out it was a big quantity, but then I had doubled it. So it was a really, really big quantity, but it was a huge hit with everybody. And it's a fantastic lunch. So anyway, I'm going to put all of that right now. It's still the extras are still in a great big bowl, but I'm going to put it all in the takeout containers, which is very easy for somebody to just grab it and run and then not have to remember to send home the Tupperware. So that's a good idea. Anyway. That is what I am doing about lunches, is an attempt to get it done at I've dinner. also been trying to do things like if I make oven omelets, I made four oven omelets at one time and froze them so then the night before, I can take it out and move in the fridge and then just bake it in the yep. morning. But yep. it's just as easy to make four oven omelets as it is to make one oven omelet. It's true. So it's really I true. might as well be multiplying. We also tried some baked oatmeal frozen in freezer bags. So I have eight baked oatmeal recipes frozen in freezer bags, which is the same thing that you just thaw it overnight and bake it in the morning. Nice. But I don't know yet how that will work. In a freezer bag? I froze it. But it's the whole thing with milk and eggs and oats and all of that. But I'm stumped on how do you bake it if it's in a bag. Because it thaws. So then I will pour it into it. I could have frozen it in a foil thing if I wanted to, but I don't need that to be... I figure I can just put it in a pan. My other thing I'm trying right now is once a week doubling a dinner and just the ones that are freezer friendly and just putting it in the freezer so in a foil one. pan. You have one ready. I'm trying to build my arsenal. Back and I actually, we hadn't even talked about this, but we were both deep in the throes of strategy freezing and And I realized it. that there are certain seasons that happen through the year. And one of them is August where there's this great attempt to be organized again. Yeah. It's like when you're buying stick on divider tabs. Yeah. That's what you do in August. I know. Anyway, all right. well, all right, we will leave you with that. Yes, good luck to you Have all. Have a good week. Bye. I'm a 2009 graduate of New St. Andrews College, and I'm a commercial property manager. Three kids at Logos, one at home still, and I do flowers on the side out of our house. When you have these little people that you're responsible to shepherd, you realize, I need to know what I'm talking about because they need to have a firm foundation and they need deep roots so that they don't get blown over and that they're ready to stand up for the truth. I am a programmer. The language aspect of NSA is a fantastic preparation for any sort of programming. I'm a real estate broker here in town. I think absolutely the perfect um, education for being in sales of, of really any kind. I actually put it to a lot of great use when I was working in the political realm. I am a pastor in Central Coast, California. Whatever vocation you take, it'll make you take that seriously because you're seeing it through the lens of the sovereignty and lordship of Christ. To learn more, visit us online at nsa.edu.